Hi everyone, Air here. Today I have a special episode for us. With me is Jason Henry of Rhythmic Bodywork. He's come to introduce a concept that is pretty foreign to most of us, including me too. Tantra. Something that the Western world might have put a couple of stigmas on for us. So welcome to the show, Jason. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. I do what I can. So immediately when I say the word Tantra, people kind of get this uneasy feeling of... They, they do, they do. Like, I, bl I blame Sting, but yes, they do. They're in the West, at least. I mean, it's got traditions thousands of years old in the East, and uh, definitely in India, most people are, have a firm understanding what the Tantric principle is. But here in the West, most people just associate it with sensuality and sex, unfortunately. My goal is through, you know, going onto the chair or, you know, the lay down, experiencing it myself, talking with you, is that we can actually break down some of those stereotypes together. Of course, of course. We want to liberate ourselves from the social stigma that Tantra has been associated with here in the West. So, yes, I look forward to that. Yes. I'm going to do a shameless plug real quick because you said the word liberate. All right, please. And so... We're actually doing our liberation Costa Rica trip in December, and that just, it was a shameless plug, there okay? It <laughs> it's going to be a phenomenal experience. So break down the stigma for me. So you said sting? Well, you know, for most people in the West, it seems as if sting was the one who brought um, Tantra onto the, the Western zeitgeist. He was the one that was really the, the famous Tantra practitioner. If you didn't know anybody who did Tantra, you at least knew who Sting was. Sting, the singer. Yeah, I was assuming the music place. industry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we might be dating ourselves, but I'm assuming the music industry. So Sting is a famous singer and a famous bassist. And he well, you know, would go on his rounds of all these different talk shows and for whatever reason decided that he was going to start proclaiming that he would have seven hour long sex through Tantra. And that really kind of hit in America. And all these little self-help books started popping up on Tantra. And they kind of morphed it into this kind of highly sexualized. And don't get me wrong, sensuality is a very important tool among many tools in Tantra. But what really the Tantra lifestyle is, is, you know, it can be traced back to the Vedic uh, principles in ancient, um, in ancient India. And so when you had... You know, their form of enlightenment and around the same time that uh, Buddha was coming up with his path to enlightenment, the middle path. Um, and Vedic principles, what they would adhere to is uh, complete um, study in towards the progression through the life scale towards skipping um, being born in a lower caste. It was about the one's pursuit to either adhering and or giving up certain luxuries that we have in life um, whereas with the normal everyday man in ancient India you still needed a path towards enlightenment that was a little bit more moderate you know a path that really kind of um, allowed you know the typical man the typical woman planning on raising a family because of course the Vedic lifestyles if you were you know really devout and really working on bettering yourself and raising your and elevating your social status and your your energetic status 
you were adhering to a strict life of no sex, no meat, you know, constant meditation throughout the majority of the day, no, uh, you know, no ownership of materialistic things, um, you know, so you still, for society to function well, you still needed a path for the common man. And so Tantra really kind of stemmed from that, that separate path and allowed, you know, a group of society to still achieve enlightenment. But to find enlightenment first or to find heaven first here on earth rather than waiting for reincarnation or waiting for death. Um, so what tantric principles, um, what we try to, uh, to aspire to is feeling heaven on earth. It is, you know, growing and, and nurturing the love that you have for yourself. It is in utilizing, you know, the most powerful energy in the universe, the energy of kundalini, the energy of desire. And energy is so strong, it creates life itself. Um, it's the energy that's strong enough that, that keeps a mother from, from not rejecting her baby when the baby is born. You know, it's, it's this energy ingrained in this powerful neurotransmitter called oxytocin that flows through our brain. It is this energy that that moves society and moves civilizations. It's an energy so strong, it's created war and it's created life. Mm. And so with Tantra, we really firmly want to lock in on how that energy is affecting our circumstance and our life. And how do we do that? Well, with Tantra, it's all about rejecting, instead of rejecting sex and rejecting meat and rejecting you know free time during the day to do anything else but meditation and rejecting you know a life of poverty what tantra is about is about focusing and rejecting the idea of the future and the idea of the past it is about solely ingraining yourself in the current moment the present moment how you feel how you function how you flow how your energy flows through life at this particular moment with no anxieties for what's yet to come and no sadness or dispel for what previously happened. Mm. You know, what's funny is, you know, like they say one of the first philosophers that we catch as an early age in this generation was Rafiki on the Lion King. Okay. Because let's face it, that's <laughs> what he was blessing. He was talking about the future hasn't happened and the past hurts. Focus on the now. Mm. And so with Tantra, we try to focus on the now. So I utilize, you know, the tantric principles in my workshops and in my private uh, sessions to help liberate my clients from stress and fatigue that's caused by traumatic past events that they can't let go, or for bridging um, their own energetic bond and reclaiming that um, after a breakup. So I get a lot of clients that kind of fit in one of those two categories. And so far, it's been a wonderful adventure. I myself am, have had a history of traumatic abuse, uh, physical abuse as a, as a young child and put into foster care where the abuse continued and morphed into sexual abuse. So with my clients, like having a firm, energetic understanding of what they've been through um, and what's down the road towards their recovery is imperative to what I do. So I, that's the energy that I bring into the session. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, in a nutshell, like that's how Tantra has been morphed here in the West to being perceived as this overtly sexual, very, you know, like 
I don't want to call it a, like a black art witchcraft sort of thing, where in actuality it's the most beautiful, most joyous, wonderful thing in the universe. It is, you know, it is understanding yourself at a higher degree. It is understanding your relationship with those that are around you at a higher degree because you're able to focus right then on the current present moment rather than holding suffrage from your past or expectations from your future. I don't know if I could have done that any better. That was fantastic, even if I was professionally trained. Wow. So for people that are completely new to this, maybe even a little bit skeptical, would you introduce it as more of a meditation practice? It would. In fact, that's something that I tell every single client. With my, you know, I come from a massage background. Even before I got into Tantra, I came from a massage background. I was a competitive wrestler in my youth and very comfortable in the, the dynamics of being up close with somebody. I'm like the, I'm a reverse um, claustrophobic. I feel the most comfortable <laughs> in tight spaces. And, uh, and so I had adapted that into a love for doing massage. And I, I had jumped into, you know, that science with the Western approach, starting with, well, Lomi Lomi in Hawaii, and then Swedish deep tissue, and then rolfing. And I was so integrated in understanding how the body chemistry actually worked from a neuromuscular level. And then I just got into Tantra and it just blew my mind. So with my sessions, like, um, I want to not just massage the body, but I want to massage the soul. And to acquire the level of deepness required for a Tantra session, it needs to be a meditation. It needs to be a beautiful meditation. A meditation where we spend ample amounts of time working on the bonding between you know, myself and my client. So that way you don't feel like you're getting a session from a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter with my massage business or with my Tantra business, you know, those people are never getting massaged or touched by a stranger. I, we never engage in that that energy. And we all know it. We all know the energy when a stranger touches us to somebody that we've had ample time to get an understanding about. So with all of my sessions, it's important and imperative that I do that with them. And that, because that safety net is there, it allows them to go much deeper in their meditation. Um, all of my sessions, the focal point is not on what dishes you need to do when you get home or what, how bad the traffic was before you arrived. <laughs> you know, it, it I don't guys. want my clients sitting on my massage table in their headspace the entire time. So just like any form of meditation, their focal point of all of their attention is on the way that my touch feels, the way that my hands are gliding across their skin, how cold are my fingertips. How fast and effortlessly am I am, am able to control their body? Um, and in doing that and focusing solely on that gets them out of their headspace. All of my clients, all of my clients have an anxious mind. Mm. We all do. If we allow ourselves to dwell in the frontal cortex of our brain, then there's no, it's right next to our, you know, the epicenter in our brain that handles the emotion of, of, of anxiety and they're intersected. So by being in the frontal cortex of your brain, by worrying about what you need to do and what you need to plan when you get done with a session or what events led you to being on my table, it negates the entire idea of being here. 
to be here with me as a vacation for your soul and a recovery point for your body. And so by focusing on meditating on where the touch is, and I do a great job about establishing that. I utilize feathers and I use fur mitts. It's hard to ignore feathers. Mm. It's really, really hard to ignore <laughs> feathers. I don't try to tickle my clients to death up there, but I get their attention. And and I lock into that. I'm either blindfolded or my eyes are closed. Just by habit, it increases my sensation of touch, my sense of touch. By closing my eyes. When you take away one sense, you magnify the rest. And so, yes, while they're meditating, I go into a trance-like state. So -hmm. it's a meditation for my clients and a meditation for myself. And then through that meditation, we dance. Just like the whirling dervishes in Turkey spinning around and really getting into their, their energy and building up their energy, our energies are spinning around. That's the beauty of Tantra. So that led to probably my last question until I'm just going to have the experience myself. I've had to do a lot of soul work to get to this moment, just to be open to the experience because I had to go research it just like everybody else. I didn't know about sting, but I knew about the stereotypes. I knew about the stigmas and even my closest spiritual friends were like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, are you sure? Do you know what your past is? I was like, yeah, that's probably why I should do it. Um, with that, if it's like a dance, like if I was to go to one of these, you know, Miami like clubs or, and I don't even, that's not my scene too much, but I'll go dancing, right? If somebody invites me salsa dancing or ballroom dancing. That's probably more my speed. I love ballroom dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's my prim and proper showing. With that, there's always a lead and there's always, you yes. know, a submission or someone submitting a masculine energy, a feminine energy. So, when you're on the table with somebody, you are in your masculine. You identify as a male. I am. I'm in my masculine, and I'm in my masculine with the highest sense of self-accomplishment and confidence. Okay. So all my clients will notice that once we engage in touch, I do not break touch until the session is ready to be flipped over. Mm. So very important. That very is very important. different from other massage or masseuses yeah. because they'll go one. get more oil or they'll go... I will have one hand on the body no matter what my orientation is. Keep in mind, I'm also blindfolded at the same time. Or my eyes are closed. Pyroception. So so I can freely negotiate my way around the table with no problems at all. Um, But I never break contact. Hmm. And it is a secure bonding. It's this bonding that we are doing right now where we're sitting here and conversating. It's, It's that momentum we capitalize on. And the entire session is based off of momentum. We start out small, and just like when you need to push a car, at first it's very difficult, but once you get those wheels rolling, mm-hmm. you can practically push it with one finger. So I have a, I lied, guys. I lied to you. I lied to the, you know, the audience here, everybody. So I have a part two to that question. Okay. So there are, and this might stretch you, there are Tantra you know, practitioners that are female. Of course there are. So do the female Tantra practitioners, while they have someone on their table or someone that they're working with, do they have to be operating in their masculine? Or they should there be they, an opposing energy? Well, they, uh, to be honest, you know, in all actuality, and I love my Tantra women practitioners. I know many of them. And they do. But to guide the experience, you do need to take charge. 
there needs to be because for somebody who is taking part in a Tantra experience, surrender is the most important function. Hmm. You can't go into rest and recovery without surrender. And so it doesn't matter man or woman that's on the table. The person that is performing the task needs to be assertive, needs to be confident. We all know it. When you feel someone's touch that isn't confident, when someone is nervous, shaky, Mm. unconfident, you feel it. You feel it through touch. When someone is confident, when someone is warm, when someone is free and clear and in the right frame of mind, it it allows my the you know the person on the receiving end to surrender. You can subjectively feel confidence through touch, mm-hmm. and to be that confident through touch requires a very firm grasp of what masculine energy is capable of. Clean, wholesome masculine energy. So yes, even my female ones. I mean, and I know several of them, and by all means, they are the most feminine creatures on the planet. But to take charge and to take a lead in that in that dynamic, you do need to be assertive in a masculine manner. Mm. Um, and that's what's great about us. I mean, all of us, man and woman, we possess the ability. We're bipolar when it comes to this, this energy. Mm. You know, what are we most harmonious in? It, everything's on the spectrum. And you are more, more harmonious in your own energies, closer to what you... Uh, um, what your gender is, of course, or what you, oh, what how you, you identify, decide, how you identify. Um, and so for me, of course, it's automatically into my masculine. Um, and, but for these women, they need to be shapeshifters. They need to be women that are free and able to produce magic in their feminine, but at a second's notice when they have their clients on the table or when they go into presentations or they go into group activities. They need to be assertive. They need to take charge so the client can jump into that submissive manner. So it's an important aspect when it comes to tantra. Hmm. Well, try not to think of that while I'm on the table. Meditate and be present. No, you will be. So. You will be locked in. I like to utilize uh, something that I've been studying for a very long time that I've mastered. It's called haptic hypnosis. So just like a hypnotist will swing a pendulum in front of someone's eyes to hypnotize Mm. them, I utilize the body in the same manner. I make your body my pendulum. By utilizing a very static, very rotative, uh, um, percussive movement across your back, I usually use, and you'll notice, a figure eight pattern, one that's hard for you to ignore, allowing the left hemisphere of your brain to start following along. While with the other hand, I start to hit different pressure points across your lower back. Um, as I do that, the right hemisphere tries to, to fire up and tries to follow along with that. It's impossible. Once mm-hmm. that fluttering happens, that's how, that's how the magic hypnotism works. Oh, so uh, <laughs> you may want to try to think about this masculine energy and this confidence, but uh, all it's I time to surrender. Follow, follow along with me for just a tiny little bit and dance with me. And your light switch will flip. Perfect. So what we're going to do for everyone that's listening is I'm going to go have this experience. And I'm going to cut this with our interview. I'm going to thank Jason for obviously joining us. I'm going to go ahead and let him share how to get in contact with him. Maybe his social media if he feels comfortable with that. How to book a session with him. And then after he shares that... 
I'm going to come back into this with you guys and give you the authentic, real, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Jason, hopefully, you know, is going to do a great job. <laughs> I believe in him, obviously, or I wouldn't be here. And I'm going to be honest about the experience. Honesty is all I ask for. As we were talking about before, radical transparency is the most important thing in my life. So please, that's all I ever ask for anybody ever leaving me reviews that I end up posting on my page. I don't want amazing. I want real. And this mm. is perfect. I have another tagline. It's like, it's almost like we're in synergy already. It's just like, I will choose authenticity over perfection every time. Yes. And I use that in my, my hand balancing practice and things uh -huh. of that nature. It's like, if I fall down, we fell down. It happens. So tell us how somebody would find you or get in contact with you. Well, I am Rhythmic Bodywork on Instagram. That might be hard for some people to spell. <laughs> I get that all the time. R-H-Y-T-H-M-I-C, Bodywork. RhythmicBodywork.com is an easy way to find me as well. Those are usually the easiest ways. Um, or you can just type in Tantra Massage in South Beach and I will magically appear. Uh -huh. Are you going to manifest that? I will manifest it through Google SEO. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a flow of energy, right? It is, it is. But yeah. Rhythmic Bodywork um, on Instagram is the easiest way to find me. And... Uh, and I, I leave some wonderful posts on there. Hopefully, people get a chance to read them. Okay, let's do this. All right, let's do this. Oh, goodness, guys. Pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as always, I will be right back. But thank you for healing and growing. Hi, everyone. Air here. So this is the day or even the morning after my Tantra experience. Now, as you heard before, I did the interview with Jason and he broke down a lot of the basics and history of Tantra. Now, during that interview, we both kind of explore the stigma or the stereotype that comes along with Tantra, given primarily, I believe, through Western philosophy, as well as misconceptions of its use through pop culture. I am actually smiling ear to ear as I record this for you all. Throughout the evening and this morning while I was doing meditation and yoga, I wondered and had to have a heart-to-heart -heart with myself on what I felt led to share and what I felt was more of my private experience and that I should keep for myself. With that, I believe I came with a happy medium to be able to share with you guys what my Tantra experiences were like. So with that, I first have to say intimacy was the key to all of it. The entire experience from start to finish felt intimate. And now I fully understand why Jason took an hour just getting to know me better before he ever introduced me to going on the table or to sharing the experience. 
Intimacy is something that I truly believe is critical to all forms of relationships. Now, it could be intimacy with a mother to her child or, you know, romantic relationships with partners, even friendships. Some of my friendships are more intimate than relationships I've had in the past. So feeling that amount of intimacy heightened for a prolonged amount of time was the key to everything for my experience. If I was to define it in other words before I actually break down what happened, I'm just going to explain how I felt. So, goodness gracious. <laughs> Intimate. Safe. Secure. Laughing, like the whole time. Frustration. I cried one point, legitimately had tears flowing so that was sad. I also felt animalistic at one point and fiery, and then I just felt wanted. These are the words that I would use to share my first experience with Tantra. So let's go into a little bit of how I actually got to all of those feelings and all of those words, because there is that stigma and I want to break it down as someone that came in a little bit skeptical, a lot of it reserved, and a healthy dose of cautious. So for any of you guys that have not tuned in to previous podcasts, I invite you to go and listen to my stories first, especially episode one about the power of living another day. Because there you'll see how trauma has been a big part of my sexual history. And for me to be able to go into what was stigmatized as a purely sexual experience was definitely a milestone in my life. And it was a growth. I actually have a key term or even motto now that I'm affiliating with Tantra that I'll share at the end of this show for you. Okay. So if you know my story, if you've read my books, you know that I'm a survivor of human trafficking. So violation and sexual exploitation has definitely been a chapter in my book. Now, it has been almost a decade since those exploitations for me. And I've spent a large majority of my time healing through both Western and Eastern practices. I started with physical medicine, working my way into mental health, and then finally, just like this podcast, into spirituality and mindset. So it was important for me to really understand and learn from Jason, as well as through my research, that Tantra is not just a sexual experience, but it's equally a spiritual experience. In fact, 
most of the things I felt compared to was a deep meditation, yoga, and breath work. And yes, I would say that all of those work. Okay, so here we go. In the very beginning, Jason told me right away that through the experience that he would be blindfolded. And that was very true, which made me wonder how much experience has he been doing this with his years? And has he actually mapped out the entire little studio, foot by foot, because he was blindfolded? He said that that eliminated anything that was physical and allowed for a more spiritual experience. And that's actually the common nature of Tantra. So as he is blindfolded, he has me first standing in front of this table. And it's actually not the table where I would lay down, but the table where I would actually have a circle. And it looked a little bit like a sacred space or even an altar. It had cards throughout it, which I originally thought were tarot cards, but they were actually a different form of spiritual cards and were part of the Joyd system. And then there was crystals, there was candles, and there were little tokens that I imagine were Hawaiian-based, just because I learned a little bit about Jason's history about learning Tantra from the Hawaiian people. So... He has me standing in front of this table. And the last thing that I noticed on it is these feathers. So he actually walks me through a process of letting go. I set an attention with blowing out a candle. Meanwhile, he's introducing air magic because he has this light feather growing across the back of my shoulders. It was actually really soothing not to glitch. Furthermore, he has me do a little bit of breath work into a meditative state that he walks me into to finally be able to subconsciously, and at this point, I have a blindfold on as well, pick a card. The blindfold for me was only on during the time that I picked the card because it was making sure that I picked the card with my heart and not with my eyes or my physical mind, like my frontal lobe. I picked this card, and this card is super interesting because he actually told me that no one in his entire experience had picked this card, and therefore he had to look up its full meaning in the little guidebook that he had with him. So I picked a card called the Implement Silkworm, and I'll even read off what it had because I originally was just really struck by my own intuitive abilities to be able to choose a card that actually had my name on the page as well. And you'll see what I mean here when I read it. So the card that I chose said, chains have tied me to an illusionary hierarchical system. I unveil it and discover those powerful puppets are just embodying an old symbology. Accepting that the masses have shaped the world, I recreate and regenerate myself from the very origin of my existence, for I am the world itself. If I contaminate my body, my blood, my air, my atmosphere, I poison humanity. Now I recognize I am the antibody in a sick society. I clean the doors of my perception 
and the torus appears, a magnetic field that surrounds the earth, the individual, and the atom, a symbol of my own energy. I am vital energy. I am galaxies. I am an infinite circle spiraling into the Sutra. I transmute fears by observing them face to face and acknowledging the pure being that lives within me. I do not banish fear, for it is useful. Banish cowardice. Heroes fear, but they fight. And you all, when I read this page, before I even got into the full-on Tantra experience, my entire body had full-body goosebumps. I am in this point of my life that is a huge transition. And I recognize that everything that I have been told about who I should be or what society should be like for me, all the stereotypes, all the stigmatisms, have no idea who I truly am and what I was created for. This society has so much hate and judgment, but no one truly knows the correct way to live because we are all on different journeys and we are all designed different with different purposes. So there is no right way to live. There's only your way to live. And that's just my personal advice for you if you're on the spiritual journey, because it's important for you to know the very origin of your existence has nothing to do with what people say you should be or should do. The second part of it about the contamination of the body, my blood, my air, my atmosphere. As you guys know, I love yoga. And I love acro practices, and I love physical practices. So I've become very conscious of what I allow into my body because it actually impacts me day to day on how my body performs. But even if you're not into acrobatics, it's very important for you to realize every single thing that you put in your body or every single person that you put in your body will have an impact not only on your body, but on your existence, on your humanity. You carry a torus. And for anyone that doesn't know what a torus is, it's the magnetic and electromagnetic magnetic field that surrounds your body. It radiates out of your heart and your mind. And this isn't necessarily even something that's just spiritual. It's something proven through physics. We all have energetic fields. And that's where the law of attraction, as well as the law of resonance, comes into play. You are energy. At its purest form, you are energy. And you do not have to be afraid. That will lower your energy and it will repel anything that your heart desires. So I invite you to go into this journey with me as I explain the full-on Tantra experience. To keep in mind that you are the antibody of this world, because so am I. And anyone that is on a spiritual awakening or trying to improve their spiritual growth needs to understand that. Okay, I'm off my football, guys. From here, after I pick a card and have full body goosebumps, I get instructed or guided to a different area of the room 
And this is a place that's a lot more intimate than the beginning of it, um, with all of the altar and all the crystals and the pretty things. Because now I am seeing a room that looks like it came straight out of a romantic novel. I'm talking flowers, I'm talking and the aroma of like sweet tea and you know floral tea. I am seeing candles on papers all around. Imagine that romantic dream that everyone always wanted, where you walk into a room and the love of your life has lit like a hundred candles and just prepared the entire area to just make you immediately feel like you're the only person in existence. That's how this area looked. That's how this area felt. And so I'm both giddy and nervous at this point because I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, I have no idea what's about to happen, but I'm pretty excited, but also just a little in anticipation. Again, you have to remember my past. You have to remember that even outside of my trauma, I've had relationships, right? And in these relationships, I'm not so sure. Actually, I'll be honest with you guys, no one had ever done that for me before. Lit a hundred candles or flowers or set up a stage. So, I'm not special, right? And I see this table, this, um, table actually is just like any other massage looking table except for it had this pad on it and unlike any experience I've ever had with a massage this pad actually vibrates whenever you lay on top of it. I was told that I could undress to the amount that I felt comfortable so I did just that to the amount that I felt comfortable uh, you can definitely keep your clothes on during the Tantra experience. Some people don't know that, but it is your choice. And, or you can be completely nude in a Tantra experience. Again, it's your choice. Your practitioner, your guide, your shared experience partner, they won't pressure you into that. And that's important right off the bat. So... I lay down on this table, just like a massage table, face down. As you guys know, there's that little headrest donut shape thing where you put your face down into. And he chose a playlist um, based off of 17 different types, evidently, that he believed felt most aligned with my energy that I had shared with him in that hour of getting to know me. And let's just say he chose an amazing playlist because after everything was done with the experience, I actually asked him to send that right over to me and, you know, to put it on my Spotify account. <laughs> so he did great at that as well. Which just goes to show you someone in the energetic realm, Tantra, Reiki, professionals, energy workers, if they're good, they're good. You know, they know how to do a good reading, just like those mediums. And those clear points. Okay, <laughs> I'm off that soapbox too, guys. So I am laying down on this table. The entire experience was going to be an hour. So 
just in the beginning, it was the feathers again. Um, and he did what something I believe he explained in the interview process. It's almost like a hypnotic confusion for the body to help you leave your consciousness state and get into more and very relaxed, parasympathetic, subconscious state. So I recall he's doing almost this eternity sign or infinite sign, uh, figure eight, if you don't know what that means, with one of the feathers. And then with his other hand, he's doing like tapping sensations to where you can't really pay attention to what's going on at the same time because your mind can't focus on all of the stimulus at the same time. So it allows the body just to kind of experience the proprioception while also allowing the mind to kind of surrender and be like, okay, we're just along for the ride. So I actually laid on the table with a slight headache because I had been sitting in traffic for about an hour. And I shared that with Jason before I actually got onto the experience because I didn't know if that was going to impact it. But through just the hypnotic state, my headache dissipated greatly. And I thought that that was pretty interesting in itself. Now, moving into the overall experience, most of the work that was affiliated with my sensuality was done between my head all the way down to like my upper lower hips and with that it's like he immediately knew that I'm a sucker for head massages as well as hand massages because I think he focused a lot on my upper neck and my scalp as well as my hands but without me sharing with him he also knew that there was a lot of tension in my left side of my neck and my right hip, which has been something that through my acro practices has been giving me a little bit of trouble as well. So I didn't share any of that with him. I think some of that might have to do with his massage therapy skills that he has as well for him to understand the body as well as the energy. So most of, I would say the first 20 minutes, was based off of just helping me get to a point where I was less stressed and the pain in my body was being relieved. And if that was the experience on its own, that would have been enough for me. I still would have left happy. But the true tantric experience didn't actually occur until about 30 minutes into it. So to give a reference, we had the breaking down of the conscious subconscious barrier through the table cards all the way to the playlist. Now we have like a physical pain relief for 20 minutes. And then finally, for like the last uh, 30 minutes was a more tantric experience. And during this time, <laughs> this is where I get intimate. This is where I share something with you guys and kind of skate the line of what I want to share, but I'm going to try to be just brutally honest, all right? I'm just going to let it go because this experience was phenomenal, and I want others to try it and see if it can be just as wonderful for them as it was for me. So 
I'm going to start with more of like the sad aspect before I get into the sensual or even uh, more like invigorating aspect. So there are certain points of the body where we hold trauma and not just sexual trauma, but fears, guilt, um, past relationships. And in my particular case, what came up for me was grief. So I have been overcoming just this grieving sensation of a loved one lately and the rejection, the pain, the loss, everything that has to do with that person. And even the music kind of correlated to like a release and a little bit of a heartbreak. And during that time, it was probably like 25 minutes, so 20 to five minutes to like 35 minutes into it, where the playlist had played maybe like five or six different songs. So I'm no longer in that pain relief. I'm actually in like a more intimate experience. And I'm just start crying right on the table. You <laughs> see, barely can breathe because my throat chakra and my throat, my larynx, and my nose is clogged because I'm crying. And during that time, he is moving like his hands across my back and you know my neck, my shoulders still, and my outer thighs, and he can feel me crying, right? And during this moment, it's just this very comforting sensation because unlike other masseuses or other types of massage, he actually is speaking with you at certain points and sharing and talking with you in the conversation. And he's not asking me questions particularly on why I'm crying. So he's not crying. And if he would have cried, I probably would have tensed up and been like, I don't want to talk about it. But instead, he's just saying words of affirmation or sweet compliments to me or even just comforting statements. Like, you are important and you are, you know, lovely and you know, just these beautiful statements to me. And while I'm crying for probably about five, six minutes, he's just being like a really good friend. It reminded me of when you go and you tell your best friend or you tell your mom, or if your mom's your best friend, you're really lucky, by the way. But if you go and you tell your best friend, you know, someone broke your heart or something broke your heart or you didn't get that job or you didn't get that validation or you were rejected for something or, you know, you're in a painful transition. You know how you go and you share that intimate moment and you almost like break down? For a moment with your best friend, that's how it felt. But he reacted in a way that would, your best friend would react, not a stranger. You have to keep all of this in mind that I didn't know Jason before this experience. I had literally met him an hour and a half before. From stranger to him comforting me as if I'm the only person in the world and his best friend. That's a huge leap in an hour and a half, guys. A huge leap. So after I gained a little bit of composure, the 
ambiance and the mood kind of shifts a little bit with the playlist and even the movements with his body. Because when he pushes like against my back with like his forearm or guides me up or guides down or like shifts my body in a certain type of way, it's in this flow. And the easiest way I can explain it is one of two ways, maybe one of three ways actually. So the most similar that I recognize it to be is like contact improvisation, which most people haven't heard of, but it's a form of dance. That's probably the most similar form. The second would be something like floating in the ocean. So not on like a heavy wave day, but like on a slightly, you know, rocky wave day, almost as if it's like a waterbed for you. And the third way I would explain it is more like a yoga practice, but it's like a vinyasa flow, but just mostly on the idea of vinyasa itself. So the one breath, one movement type of flow. Any of those three types of different analogies and maybe even all of them together really just gives you an idea of how the practitioner moves the body and works with the body for a majority of the session. And I would even say that like 75% of the time, it's really just like this cradling, flowing sensation. Now, from there, uh, things change. This is where almost like an animalistic or invigorating sensation happens. And this is something that I might get in trouble for saying later, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's the truth. And maybe it was because of how the stage was. Maybe it's because of the intimacy. Maybe it's because of the ambiance or the idea that I was able to be myself, my full authentic self, even crying. I will definitely say that I have never been touched like I was touched last night. I didn't feel like somebody was interacting with my body. I didn't feel like somebody was touching my body. I felt like someone was touching my soul. Yes, <laughs> I felt like somebody was touching my soul, and I felt this sense of being seen and understood. There was a point where there was a lot of focus on my feet and I even recall like there were certain pressure points that like released through like a knuckling sensation on just the bottoms of my feet and I felt it like all the way up my vertebrae and I have learned about the Mandarin lines and I've learned about Chinese medicine and how different parts of the body is affiliated with different organs in the body and their functionings and their health. 
So most likely that has some type of correlation there, but I need to interview somebody that can teach me more about that because I am intrigued. But I felt not like I was a body anymore. I felt like I was just energy and that we were dancing. And the first thing that happened after all of the tears and the transition of, you know, that letting go and that grief and that, you know, those negative things and just relieving, I started laughing, which is another thing that you really don't ever do on a massage table or with, you know, a Western practitioner. And I love my Western practitioners. My masseuses have saved me day in and day out. But this was different. This was a very different engagement. And when I would laugh, he would laugh. And I even noticed at certain points, our breath would match. Which I believe is one of the core reasons why it felt more intimate was the breathing and the fluid motion and that flow that I was sharing with you was in equilibrium with this. It was as if we were going on a journey together or we were dancing together and we were having the same experience together. When I got sad, he got sad. When I laughed, he laughed. But at the same time, the Tantra practitioner is the one guiding the dance, leading the dance in his masculinity and in his nature versus me being the feminine or the more submissive in this case because it's being done with like their guidance. It changed everything, right? And I remember talking with you guys earlier about the fact that if a woman would have been my practitioner, she still would have been the masculine energy in this involvement. So, <laughs> from there, after lapping, I felt like that was more like an increase of energy, heightened sensation. And it led more into my fiery side, my playful side, my animalistic side. And I actually made a couple of noises that I have never made in my life. I don't know how to replicate them for you guys, but it was this weird sensation that was between my legs and my mouth. And it came out almost like a vibrating hum. And I don't, I, I can't, I do not know how to explain that particular aspect. That is, I think, the magic involved. So, in that whole experience, I, I unraveled a little bit. I found the key to it was, and this was the motto that I hinted towards earlier. My whole idea and this is really hard for me to say. My whole idea of intimacy, sensuality, 
and sexuality, my whole glass ceiling was completely shattered in that hour and a half. Everything that I knew about intimacy, closeness, all these preconceived notions of how close two people can actually be, like two humans, but more importantly, two energetic fields could actually cross those Tauruses or Tauruses. Everything I knew about my own sensuality and sexuality and my own engagement completely changed. And that has been on my mind ever since and will probably be on my mind for a while longer in these meditational practices. You guys, I told you in the very beginning I was skeptical. I told you I was reserved and I told you I was cautious. Like most people, right? Most people judge Tantra as this sexual, dark, evil type of artistry. And it was not. The experience was gentle and comforting and beautiful and fun and life-altering. I could imagine someone that regularly participated in this would feel more in control of their sexuality and sexuality. They would feel more understanding of self-love and they would be someone that would feel more accepted for who they are because they're being appreciated for their essence and their existence and not what they bring to the world or what is expected of them. So with this experience with Jason, with Tantra, I'm so grateful, guys. I'm full of just unconditional to the point where I would even consider being a practitioner in the future and learning the experience on the other side because it's a gift to be able to share that experience with people. It's a very undervalued gift to interact with someone's field and to meet them at the soul level. When Jason listens to this, I want him to just smile ear to ear. And hopefully if other Tantra professionals and when other Tantra professionals listen to this, I want them to feel me wrapping my arms around them in gratitude. For everyone else, thank you guys for healing with me today and growing with me today.